Hello and thanks for tuning in to another APW Property Podcast. APW helps expats buy property in the UK and has been doing that for over 30 years. And I'm joined by APW's two seasoned commentators, Stuart and Callum Williamson. Hello, Stuart. Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And hello, Callum. How are you? Hi, Paul. I'm very well, thank you. So a pleasure to talk to you both as ever. My name is Paul Shearer and I've been living in, writing about buying, selling, renting uh, property for more years than I want to acknowledge. I suddenly remembered this week a summer job I actually had as a teenager in the 70s on a building site. My mother used to, she was an architect and she used to work for a local building firm. So uh, one summer I was there on the building site doing the wheelbarrow stuff, you know, just wheeling things around the building site. But also they gave me a go at being a hoddy and I just failed miserably at that. There's, it, it's a kind of bizarrely skilled job, isn't it? Stacking bricks and, and carrying them around a the building site. They were so quick at it, the, the, the proper ones, whereas I was kind of dropping them and failing miserably. Um, anyway, today it's market mosey time and uh, we're going to take a peek back at October to see what went on and how it might affect the housing market uh, and the private rented sector. Uh, Stuart has a weekly market temperature check called Market Wrap, which you can watch on YouTube. Uh, So Stuart, what did you spot going on in October? A quiet month? Well, no, I think you'd probably say that if the Queen, bless her, was still alive, it would be an annus horribilis, but on a monthly basis. The... um... The information that's coming out of the UK is um, pretty grim. Uh, since Rishi Shunak came into power and Liz Truss left us um, with a mess, then things have calmed down a good deal. Um, bond yields have fallen. Interest rates, real interest rates have fallen. So things have calmed down a bit. Rishi Shunak hopefully will be doing better, but straight away he seems to be embroiled in his Suella Braverman palaver about sending out emails from her own private email address as opposed to the government one yeah Tuella Braverman is the well she's the old home secretary who resigned and then the new home secretary uh, who was reappointed by Rishi Sunak and who got into uh, all sorts of trouble about the the confidential material that she'd sent to her own private email uh, so yes he's been embroiled in that um, and I think also the u-turns on, on the on the budget as well I mean he's, he's rolling back everything that was agreed and, um, yeah, well, what, what's been rolled back? Well, looking as of today, you know, the yes, yesterday the Bank of England announced a rate increase to 0.75, 0.75 points up to three, which is um, apparently the end of the world is nigh on the back of that. And what the Chancellor has gone out and done is basically looked at trying to raise 50 billion from tax increases across the board and not allowing the changes the tax that were allowed in the mini budget so basically cutting the one percent of income tax has gone i think altogether frankly corporation tax is going to rise which will have an effect on people buying through limited companies which you do a lot of dividend tax cuts have been abandoned so there's quite a few different negative things out there and i think this is just the start and as we were saying earlier on it's a case of People are bracing themselves. In fact, if I was on if I was on a plane and the UK was that plane, I would be and I was the captain. I would be shouting "brace, brace" for impact as we speak. It would, or just turn around and, and go back, go back to where you were. But uh, so, yeah, there were a few other things as well in that uh, rollback. The freeze on alcohol duties was scrapped. Um, 
the changes to IR35 tax rules, they were, they've been axed. And the VAT shopping for tourists has also been ditched. All trying to save money, as you say, this reported £50 billion hole in the public finances. But uh, as you say, things have settled down a bit, uh, just as well, because we looked back at our market mosey of September, which we did rather late in the month and just before uh, Liz Trust resigned. So I had a quick listen back through it just to check that we hadn't said everything completely off and that we hadn't been totally wrong. And it was okay. We, we were quite factual. Uh, and the Stamp Duty podcast we did, well, the Stamp Duty changes, they survived. So um, that was still uh, up-to-date information. But it's a, it's a hard time to be a commentator because uh, you're just worried that whatever you say is going to change tomorrow. And it will have been in the time it takes to edit these episodes, uh, will be out of date. But uh, that's a first world problem, I think, there. I think you do, if I can interrupt there a second, Paul, I think you do get into the, sometimes get drawn into this, you must make comment. And I think often in, in spreading information, people don't want that. You know, they want information. You know, on the market wrap this week, I was talking about what is the difference between a, a hydrogen pump and a heat pump, you know, those are the two main contenders for the EPC certification and being brought in in the UK. And I think people do want to know that because everything's so grim out there. It's nice to hear some positive stuff about how it's going to save the environment and potentially save money as well. Sorry to interrupt. But it, I, I think as well, you know, it goes to show you make predictions. I mean, does anyone remember what the predictions from... Uh, CBRE and Savills, all these sorts of people was uh, when COVID started at the start of 2020. It was a, I think a 14% drop in house prices or, or 10%. It was it was ridiculous, you know, and it turned out to be the opposite way, a 14% increase. So if those guys can get it wrong, it just goes to show, you know, it's, um, yeah, as you say, people like to make comment, but, you know, who re- really knows? You give people the, the information and they can make decisions for themselves. Well, we're still living in these uncertain times, the war in Ukraine, the rising energy costs, rising cost of living and uh, winter in the northern hemisphere. You're not going to suffer from that uh, where you are in, in uh, down under, but uh, you've got summer coming in, haven't you? Well, summer is ecumenin, as the poem goes. Um, we've had the Bank of England um, headline meeting. They did meet yesterday from this recording. They raised the rates 0.75% to 3%. Plenty of pressures now applying to homeowners, landlords, tenants. Let's start with inflation. Um, what's the latest and what's the forecast, Stuart? Inflation, as it's reported, apparently is at 10%. I don't know if you've been out and bought in the shops. When I was back in the UK a couple of weeks back, you go out and buy and you see there's a size inflation going on. And that, I mean, when I was a kid, you bought a Mars bar and I swear it was six inches long and it was as thick as your forearm. And it cost about it cost about three pence. Now it's like a chocolate finger. You know, there must be some sort of way of stopping companies just cutting the size of things and charging the same price. It's um it's bizarre. So anyway, inflation, you know, increasing food, transport, energy prices were the biggest contributing factors to inflation, according to the Office of National Statistics. Food is up by fourteen point six percent year on year. Transport was up by ten point nine percent compared to last year. And the price of furniture and household goods rose by 10.8. And, you know, that is grim. It's a case of what will happen to your everyday person. 
Well, they'll stop shopping, uh, or they'll reduce their shopping, certainly. But it's, it, it, sorry, but it's a, change, it's a change of eating habits, isn't it? People go from buying in the shops and then having to store the food, which might go off, to just going down to the takeaway and getting takeaway food. And that's what you know, is certainly happening in the U.S. And one of the builders we work with, they work with a lot of fast food locations, coffee shops, and they're booming because people can't afford to go and eat proper food, which is you know, something that's going to go even worse through the winter, I believe. So wh where's inflation heading, though? I mean, that's, that's the grim news at the moment. But where's it heading? What, what's the forecast? Well, according to the Bank of England yesterday, they say within three years it'll be down to naught. And that was their statement yesterday. And Mr. Bailey has taken on the markets, and he's saying that's what we're going to do. We're not going to increase interest rates much more and we believe it'll be down to three down to zero within three years which is pretty punchy which is what's caused the pound to drop by two percent i believe they quite a few of the markets think he's talking tot okay so well inflation this is a spike it's going to start heading down uh next year and three years down to zero that's an ambitious target I saw the middle of October prediction was two years down to two percent. What about uh, interest rates? So they put it up to three percent. What's the what's the forecast on those? As expected, the rates went up on Thursday, third of November, to three uh, percent, which represented the biggest rate hike since 1989. Long-term interest rates likely to be heading down after two years or sooner, um, as we've just heard. According to Bloomberg, uh, the market expectation for June 23 is now 4.7, which is slightly lower uh, than the peak of six that we had it at and, and what people were predicting a few weeks ago. So the Rishi Jeremy calming effect is coming into play, it seems. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. The sort of 4.75% is their new uh, peak uh, for next year. Uh, and a couple of weeks ago, they were predicting that that peak would be 6%. So that's good news on, uh, like you say, this this calming effect of Rishi and Jeremy duo. There's a great piece also, if I, if I might say, in the Telegraph today about um, how interest rates will actually fall even though they've gone up. Because you know, the Bank of England rate is 3%. The bank, and this is one of the things, again, that Mr. Bailey was taking the lenders to task about, in that the Bank of England is saying our rate is 3%. That you're at six and a half or seven, so you've got to come down from there, and the risk is not there. You are creating that image of there being a real problem, and so he was saying that interest rates could in fact fall, even though he's put them at three, they should fall. And there was five lenders last week who did cut their two-year rates and also five-year rates down from where they were. So even though rates are going up, it's still going to fall because you haven't got the extra comfort zone the banks are putting in there. That's right. So we've got the inflation effect means that the Bank of England is statutorily bound to uh, raise interest rates to try and beat inflation. And those Bank of England interest rates get passed on as more, higher mortgage rates. Uh, so you say that there's, um, there's a change going on there in the, in the mortgage market, Stuart. What's, what's happening? The, the two-year and five-year and 10-year fixed rates are, are changing a bit. Yeah, they fell towards the end of last week. I think it was Santander and four others actually cut their rates by 0.2% because they're not so frightened anymore. And it's the fear factor that puts it up because they put it up to 6%. And then they have this stress test on top of that, which is can people therefore survive at 9%, which is absolutely mind boggling when 
interest rates from the Bank of England were only at 2.25 at the time. So they have been bringing it down because the fear factor is less, uh, which is great. And that will have a positive impact on borrowing money. Yeah, so it's a competitive market. So the banks are competing with each other. I saw one uh, offer that Nationwide was doing to its existing customers, which was reducing uh, the two, five and 10 year fixed rates to under 5%. Uh, but that was for only new customers. So they were sweetening the deal and trying to hang on to the people that they they have on their books already. So some positive news there. Um, Following mortgage rates, though, and the spike in those, it must have an impact on house prices, surely. What's happening there? Slowing down. Uh, it's slowing down the rate of increase uh, and, and some month-on-month month falls in some areas. Second steppers still showing stronger demand. Uh, First-time buyers are being hit. I think it's. Um, I think what you've got to look at when the interest rates are rising is, is the monthly cost of the mortgage rates. It's people's monthly affordability, um, you know. So as that's going up, it's going to bring the value of, of the house, houses they can afford down, you know, and that's naturally going to have a, a dampening effect on house prices. So I think we are starting to see that a little bit now. But then again, in some areas, it's it's holding strong, you know, city centres where people are still moving back into the cities. So it really depends on where you're buying. But in general, a bit of a softening, I would say. Yeah, there was a good article, again, which I put in the market wrap this week, which is about the top 20 postcodes in the UK where you're still getting people bit in bidding wars. And there still are places in the UK that are still going up strongly. I mean, most notably, it was Bristol, which is a cracking location, Birmingham, and then further down the track was Basingstoke, Leeds, and so on and so forth. But the point is, is that if it's somewhere that's gone up by 70% because it was super cheap, then it's going to fall. If it was something that was bought with... F- good fundamentals, transport, infrastructure, employment, as we always say, then it will still do well. And Birmingham is still doing well, you know, as is you know, Bristol. And Bristol has always been a bellwether. Cambridge, Oxford, Bristol, Manchester, Birmingham, Nottingham, they're good places to buy. And I don't think we'll see, I'll probably, you know, in a year's time, I'll probably be completely wrong, but I don't think we'll see the falls that we are going to see for sure in places like Liverpool, uh, Middlesbrough, Sorry, Middlesbrough, and places like that. Also, well, the, the, this um, post-COVID effect, people rushed for space, uh, but um, after a cold winter with high energy costs, then they might think again about the big country pile that they bought. Um, Absolutely, they might rush back to the rush back to the coziness of a city centre. And at the same time, you know, when you're getting into a recession, employment markets are a lot tougher, and it becomes a employer's market. So I can say to you, get into the office. And if you say no, I'll say, okay, well, don't him. In that case, your contract's over. Because, okay, there is still 2.5% unemployment, but there's a lot less jobs out there than there were. And a recent, um, what is it, Association of Personnel Directors a report showed that they were now looking at getting rid of people who weren't fitting in with what they wanted. And again, I put this in the marker out this week, it's a good um, read. LinkedIn came out of the research and they said 12% of jobs now in the market are actually remote-based. 20% of the people applied for them, but it's down to the lowest level it's been since COVID. 
Mm. I did see the Bank of England was predicting this this uh, two year recession uh, with un unemployment rising to six point five percent. So there is going to be pressure on the jobs market. Uh, so all of that pressure, though, it must feed through to rents as well uh, and tenants' ability to pay, uh, ability to afford the kind of rents. What's happening in the rental market? What statistics are you seeing there? Okay, um, average rents. Across England fell by 11% to £1,111 during October, taking the intense heat out of the tenancy market, says Good Lord. And Good Lord is a, is a, a rental agency uh, with, with properties all over the country. But, but I would like to see, you know, again, I would like to see heat maps, you know, are rents going down in city centres or are they going up? Are rents going down in, in sort of commuter and, and country locations that we've discussed or are they going up there i would say that um on average it may be 11 percent, but in city centers you're probably seeing a more competitive market so um as always the headline figures say one thing but the underlying figures if you're using your ties will say something else also right move had had it completely differently they were talking about the uh, average asking rents outside london have hit a new record uh, now in oh there you go <laughs> At 1,162 per calendar month. So it's not far off that 1,111 that Good Lord are saying. But yes, whether rents are rising or, or falling, clearly the rental market is quicker, really. You know, landlords don't want void periods. So if someone leaves a property and they're renting a new property, uh, they want it rented quickly. So they're going to put the price at whatever it is. So there is more volatility, I guess, in the rental statistics. And I mean... Sorry, is that as well, you know, is that landlords putting up rents because, uh, you know, of, ri of rising costs, so they've got to sort of keep their margins as well, you know, so if costs continue to go up, then perhaps we'll continue to see rents going up. Yes, but then you can only put them up as uh, as high as there are tenants available to, to afford that, and that's also going to be a factor in the next couple of years, I would think, as as more and more people look at their own personal budgets and and what and how to live one of the things that uh, they had seen is people downsizing so the the demand for studio flats as opposed to one beds has ha, is now the most most in demand kind of property so you can see those kind of shifts they're not hard to understand why but they are going on all the time uh, any final thoughts as we look back at october and uh, look ahead to november it's not necessarily related to uh, the market. I was just going to say, I, I finished reading a book this week called The Psychology of Money. And it was uh, sort of an elongation of an article that was written in the New York Times of 20 different points to consider money and, and how to look at it, the psychology of money. And there's a whole chapter on, on pessimism versus optimism. You know, and, and pessimism is always sold and always does sell much more than, than optimism. You know, And he gave some great examples in there over times when people were very, very pessimistic because of a bad news story. And, and most of the time it never really sort of turned out and we always come through it as a as a people or a species or whatever it may be. So uh, if you haven't read it, go and find it. Chapter 17, I think it was, but it's uh, it made an interesting point because we're still here and we're still going and we always will be, you know, so don't get caught up in it too much. Yes, avoid the glooms. Uh, Stuart, you were going to say? Um, well, I was going to talk about the global financial crisis and it all went um pear shape there interest rates were up at 14 15 percent you know they're at three percent now 
okay, that was the base rate. The real rate at the moment is probably about five and a half, six. But it'll still have to double to get to where it was. And can you remember, Cal, that? Uh, not really. I mean, I don't remember it having an impact on my life or the way I live my life. How about you, Paul? Do you remember that? No, but I remember the 70s. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the mid-70s was pretty bad. That was the oil price crisis and uh, the three-day week. And, and what, uh, what was bad about it? What do you remember? Uh, power cuts, rubbish piling up on the streets, and just a general air of gloom and uh, the lack of available disposable income. Mind you, I was a teenager, so that's normal. But Yeah, but, we, you know, looking back now, you look back with rose-tinted spectacles, I remember sitting around the Arga with my parents with the candles on because there's no lecky and the Arga was the warmest place to be. But um, it's still good. we still got through it, just like we got through the global financial crisis and all the rest of the stuff. And yes, there'll be some pain. And if you plan properly, hopefully you're not going to have that. And if you're making the right moves now, you're not going to have that. But just on the books, I was reading a book called The Act of Oblivion, which um, is about Charles I being beheaded and about the responses to all the people who were involved in that by his son. And they were horrendous. But no one even talks about it or knows about it. And it's been completely forgotten. But you, you still remember the English Civil War, Stuart, from personal experience. It, well, this, this is it. Yeah. I've still got the same horse I was riding at the time. <laughs> but, but Sorry, you were talking there about you know planning properly. That was to talk about the same book again. It was one more uh, chapter in there was his a big, big thing he goes on about his margin for error. People always underestimate the margin for error. Or it'll take me 10 minutes to get there, but it's 20 minutes or whatever it may be. And in times like this, you need to give yourself a much bigger margin for error and if you build that in i.e you do your figures well and you buy well then you should still be okay it's if you don't give yourself that margin you don't foresee interest rates going up one percent two percent three percent if you don't do that then you'll get caught out okay well that's good advice uh that's it from us today uh gloomy times and i hope uh, that the times are not too gloomy where you are look after your family and friends and neighbors also is the uh uh, advice of the day. Thank you very much, Stuart. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. And cheerio. And thank you, Callum. Thank you, Paul. Thanks. Next week, we'll be discussing how to make an offer in our Buy to Let's Basics uh, series. Until then, it's goodbye from me, Paul Shearer. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at Brilliant Audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.